0: This is Cam Slater, and you're listening to Dirty Politics. Welcome back to Dirty Politics Podcast. With me is Simon Lusk on Skype, and today we're going to talk about why Bill English is so dead-set useless. Simon, welcome. Welcome.
1: Thanks, Cam, and I think Bill English is proving that he is dead set useless. I mean, he was useless in 2002 and he seems to be doing his best to lose an unlosable election now. So why didn't National euthanise him then? I don't know, but um, they should have. I think that probably when you've only got 27 MPs, you can't sort of take the guy that lost out the back and cut his head off. Um, And Bill managed to survive and survive on and, and be quite a good finance minister, but he's just never going to be bloody uh, a leader that people want to vote
0: for I mean he's not a guy that you look at and think oh, I'd like to go and have a beer with him you look at him and think what a dork well if I ever got rung up that's uh, probably on the wrong example to use but if I ever got rung up and invited to go and have a beer I'm sure I'd have something better to do
1: yeah yeah and
0: you know I, he's he's just a funny looking bastard and he looks boring Hmm. so why is Bill English so dead set useless yeah,
1: well, you know, when you think about it, uh, Helen Clark wasn't exactly easy on the eye and didn't exude charisma, but she was bloody brilliant. I mean, she was a great politician. And I think that the difference between Bill and and Helen was that Helen actually built a really good team around her um, and had some fantastic people. Um, Bill, well, he's had the Brack Pack, but... See, I don't know a single one of his backroom operators. Um I I just don't know any of them. I don't think that he spent his his Near 30 years in politics, building a team of people that protect him.
0: Well, I mean, backroom operators is a good point that you raise, because for a long time, Helen Clark had Mike Munro, and it's no surprise that he's now working for Jacinda Ardern, which probably explains why she's saying the right things and doing the right things to get elected, whereas Bill's got um, Wayne Eagleson, and um, that's about it as far as I understand.
1: Yeah, and you know he's inherited um, he's inherited Peter Goodfellow, Stephen Joyce, and Wayne Eagleson from from John Key. He didn't have his people ready to go. I mean, we never hear stories about who Bill's chief of staff was as as the finance minister. It's just not something you know about. You you don't know who his team is. You know he was a member of the Brack Pack, and you know there's only Nick Smith left. And while we both enjoy talking to Nick, he's as mad as a cut
0: snake. (laughs) <laughs> totally. So, what you're saying is he's boring, dull, doesn't build a team. Is he a leader then? Oh, no,
1: no. I mean, the, the guy's not a leader, and and, and you know the, the the absolute disaster in 2002 was was really interesting. I I managed to get out of the country before it happened, so um, I yeah it was there was no way that I could take any any part of the blame for it. Um, and. When I came back, I had a talk to uh, Tina Simmons, who, who had been the comms person, and she told me about going to, to the 2001, the Tampa election in um, mm. Australia, and, and John Howard was getting an absolute toweling, and he ended up coming back and smashing them um, and just nailed Beasley, made him look like an idiot, won beautifully, maybe he lied about a few bloody... Um, uh, migrants dying or throwing the kids off boats and things, but he still won. you yeah,
0: name me a politician who doesn't lie. Yeah,
1: and good on him. He 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 won fair and square. And um, Beasley was a big fat useless prick. But anyway, Tina Simmons told me that she was over there with six or seven people from Nashville, hmm. and she they she worked. They they all went in to see Johnny Howard. And, you know Howard's a good bloke, but they all walk in there and and and. There's Bill in his grey suit and they've all introduced themselves and then they turn around and say, oh, and this is Bill, he's our leader. <laughs> you know, Tina reckoned reckon that she had to, um, you know, she was just trying to teach him how to lead, like he had to be the first one out of the lift, real basic stuff. He, he just doesn't, he doesn't dominate space, he doesn't look like he's in charge um, and, you know, he, he just d- doesn't look as if he's in command. Um,
0: was a good, a good example of that is when my old man picked him up from the airport to take him to a fundraiser and he had arrived off the plane and Dad said to him, well, look, do you want to go back to my place and change into uh, suitable attire? Because the fundraiser was in front of finance people, bankers, lawyers, accountants. And he had rocked up in his R.M. William boots and his cords and his threadbare horse's blanket jacket. And he said, no, 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 I'm going like this. And Dad said, oh, for fuck's sake, Bill, you, you look like a hayseed. I think that was the beginning of the end of any relationship Dad and Bill ever had.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, and and he he uh,
1: he, he reminds me a lot of, of John Major, although John Major was a, a very, very successful Prime Minister and actually managed to win an election in, in 92. But he was known as being a very grey man and it took to the extent that when he went to, to a, a launch of a new warship, he, he said, oh, great, they've... they've got it in my colour. So, <laughs> but, you, you know, like you see Bill and he's in this terrible grey suit or some brown one, I mean.
0: I think that brown one's Farrah's, actually. I think he's borrowed it off David. Oh, nah, nah. Bill, Bill's way, way, way slimmer than Farrah. He rolled out the Dryzer Bone again yesterday on the weekend, though, the one that he used in 2002.
1: Yeah, yeah, well... Oh. Yeah, just bad
0: memories. Of that campaign. I was glad I was living in London. So, the thing is, we we know he's not a leader's bum, really. Um, no. Why is this? Why 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 does Bill have to stitch up the leadership? And he's real good at getting the numbers to stitch up a leadership. It's what happens afterwards that seems to be so damn appalling.
1: Well, I I think that he he just hasn't he hasn't taken the the lesson from what Helen Clark did and worked out that if you look in the mirror and you look a bit boring you've got to build this team and and he hasn't done that and you know he just he 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 just seems I I don't know I I think he's Catholic and he he confesses his sins and thinks he'll be forgiven but you know the real world isn't like that that might work if you're a Catholic in the confessional but if you do a a terrible job or you're boring you're not going to get forgiven um by the voting public they want to be inspired. They want a reason to vote, not oh, Bill mumbling on about how he saved us eight years ago in the, the uh, global financial crisis.
0: Well, I mean, that's the thing. I think you know, he was installed as a leader, not because he was forgiven, but because so many of the caucus simply weren't around in 2002 to remember how appalling it was. Yeah, I, I don't know. I,
1: I think that um, his opponents and and the three that were in the running was him, Coleman and Collins I don't see that um, either Collins or, or Coleman had done anything to build the team around them, I mean I don't know who their advisors are and you know, we always know who's advising people on the left because they've got bloody good advisers, but Nationals seem to think they just turn up and, and win
0: without a great... I think, to be fair, it was a bit of a stitch-up between John and Bill and um, rolling out a, a leadership challenge inside a week when, when the other guys had three months to, to, uh, to load it up. And, of course, don't forget that... Um, there had been a, a huge marginalisation campaign, especially against Judith Collins, to make sure she was uh, isolated and marginalised, but I want to, don't want to revisit that. The caucus chose, chose Bill, and now they uh, have to suffer the consequences of that. So what is that going to mean for National, immediately like leading up into the election in less than two weeks' time, and then immediately following the election?
1: Yeah, well, you know, you you look at it and you think, well, if Phil loses, he'll be gone and he'll forget the National Party ever existed and and you'll never see him again.
0: No, no, he's stated he's going to stay on. Well, well, that's not going to happen. I mean, they all say that and then
1: they bloody give up the day after. I mean, David Cameron said that he wasn't going to resign if he lost the Brexit bloody um, referendum. And, you know, I sat there watching his his, uh, speech as the sun rose in London and thinking this bastard's going to resign, and he did. Hmm. And so, so I don't,
0: I, I don't think. We'll so let's assume he's going to go, and he'll go fairly quickly. And if he doesn't go, you would assume that the caucus would would come out with their knives and stab Caesar. Once, yeah. once they do that, what do they need to look for going forward?
1: Well, I think that the, the thing that Jacinda's shown is you don't actually need a great suite of policies or to be particularly competent. You've, you've, you've got to be likeable and you've got to have people want you or want you in front of the camera. They, they worry, you know, just about everyone wants to go and have a drink with Jacinda. And having done it, I can understand why. She's bloody good company. Um, but, you know, you, you need someone that, that can look into a TV camera
0: and look credible um, and likeable. And, and I'm, I'm not sure who that is. So you, you can have somebody um, who's got a face like a bum and still get elected. I mean, Helen Clark proved that, didn't she? Yeah, but you know, Clark had some fantastic people around her, and and you know, once again,
1: I, I just don't know. So, so I don't know any of Paula Bennett's background people because I think she burns through them. Um, uh, Simon Bridges has got um, one really good bloke, um, Jamie, who's who's pretty onto it, but. Yeah, I don't know who does Amy Adams' stuff. The the feedback that I've had from people that were dealing with Amy when she was a minister was that her her staff were essentially treated as receptionists. And, you know, that that doesn't inspire me with any confidence.
0: Well, my Labour sources tell me that they talk up Amy Adams because they know it unhinges National people and they think that National's stupid enough to entertain actually taking her on as leader.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, Labour's bloody good at doing that kind of thing. Um, I, I just, I, I, hope that they're smart enough to actually run some focus groups and see whether um, the, you know, the the blink test is um, is something that
0: any of these people can pass. All right. So if you do. You know, want to be the leader of the National Party, failing uh, once Bill English has lost the election and gone and pretty much probably cleaned out the top end of the list as well. I would expect Joyce and Finlayson, uh, certainly um, uh, David Carter. Carter to go as well. Um, once they're all cleaned out and then you've got a whole bunch of, of also-rans that come in down the list... What is someone get, who wants to be the leader, what are they actually going to have to do? Well, I think we're taking a step back from that. And before National um, appoint a
1: permanent leader, they should go and talk to our good mate David farrow and, um, and get him to do some serious focus groups and see what people think of the... the the um, politicians that they've been uh, being put in front of them. I mean, there's there's really good research in the, on on how to tell whether someone's going to be liked or not, and I'm sure Farah knows how to do it.
0: Well, um, at the moment, they think that if you throw lots of uh, other people's money around, that's how you get liked. But I'm pretty sure that if a candidate actually paid for some polling and some focus groups out of their own pocket, instead of expecting someone else to pay, that that'll go a long way into giving them some credibility.
1: Yeah, definitely, and and especially if they they back up playing Farah with, with um, demonstrating that they've actually thought about the team they need to bring National out of opposition. Um, you know, you need someone as good as, as Stephen Joyce was when um, he rebuilt the National Party after Bill and Michelle vote completely fucked it. Um, you need a really good party president like judy kirk who was an absolute battle axe and went around stomping on people until they started being sensible and raising money I oh, just uh, yeah she told me that she had to spend the first year apologizing for a disaster national had been in 2002 um i don't think it was much fun but she went and did it and good on you um but i, I don't know who that next person is you look at the the national party board and there's no natural uh, party president in the, the Judy Kirk mould, and and I don't know that there's anyone there that will be much good in opposition. They're good on the front foot, but whether they're good on the back foot, I don't
0: know. Well, that's a key point that you make there. It seems that uh, Stephen Joyce, Joe DeJoux... Um, all these people that are that are taking vast wedges of money at the moment to run social media um, and run the campaign are like the proverbial all black halfback that's only good in front of uh, when he's walking behind a, uh, a Ford pack that goes forwards. As soon as that pack starts going backwards, then you get the sloppy passes, you know, the hail marys, and everything else going on. Yeah,
1: although well, I think that's a bit harsh on Joyce because he did manage to rebuild the party and. Well, he didn't manage to get Bill to be good until Don rolled him. He did manage to get Don up to pretty close to winning um, the uh, 2005 election, and that, that certainly wasn't front.
0: You're finish. only as good as your last campaign, though, aren't you? And you've, we've got to look at you know, Mount uh, Mount Roskill, then you look at Northland, the by-election there, and now the disaster that's unfolding here.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm a bit... Less um, willing to criticise Joyce, I think that um, he has a track record of having won elections, and he, his mistake is that he he's forgotten the first wall of of campaign. You have choices. a good leader, a good campaign. Uh, yes, yeah, start with a good candidate and. You know, he's got a drip as a leader. It's bloody hard to win a campaign with a drip running.
0: The reason why I'm focusing on Joyce is because I've seen a real narrative uh, develop over the weekend where you've got journalists, and they're well known to be favourites of Bill English, you know, people that he goes to to get stories out. There's a real narrative building that Bill's a battler and he's trying really hard, but, you know, Stephen Joyce and others have let him down. And it, it just reminds me of 2002 all over again, where... Everyone was to blame but Bill. And, you know, you just, you you look, so Joyce
1: ran the 2005 election. If Don hadn't have fucked it up, he would have probably won. Um, He won a dominating win in 2008. Managed to lower Labor's vote again in 2011 Mm. and lower it again in 2014. I mean, he doesn't go from being really, really, really good at campaigning to being useless. National have gone from having a really good leader and having one that's
0: just dead set useless. Is it is it a possibility that perhaps their advisers that they've used in the past have just got stale and are and basically one-trick ponies? Is that a possibility? I mean, that's where Joe DeJoux comes in. She's that conduit um, between herself and Crosby Texter in the past.
1: Yeah,
0: I I, I wouldn't. I look I, I think it probably is
1: more about having a leader that's just not very good. Um I, I think that the the others who were coasting under John Key um, just haven't quite been able to deliver when they've been put under a bit of pressure, but that's because Bill hasn't been pretty appalling.
0: So I know things are bad because uh, I'm starting to get a lot more leaks out of the Insider National than I did before, and that only happens when people are unhappy. The one that I heard uh, today was that uh, the comms people that have been paid a a significant six-figure sum to... Prepare social media campaigns, little snippet videos and things like that, sit around twiddling their thumbs waiting for announcements on policy rather than having things prepared to go the instant the policy's announced. And it seems a bit uh, ask backwards to me that, that social media is about forward-looking, not reacting to things that are being announced. And if you've got a situation where the campaign is sitting there twiddling their thumbs, not even knowing what the leader is up to, where they are or what they're about to announce, then you've got a real communication Problem, and communication is one of the key areas where John Key did really, really well. Is a comms person really key to to you know backing up that leader?
1: Yeah, and and, and they've, they've got to be good, or they've got to have someone like Key that was an absolute natural. Um, you know, you, you you look at Alan Clark and Mike Munro. I, I know a number of people in National who attribute Clark's failings uh, post the 2005 election to not having Mike Munro telling her what the public were thinking. He just had a good instinct for what was smart and what was dumb, and, and no one else in Labor did have that. And you know, when he went, they, they started making mistakes.
0: Well, La- Labor people have told me that as well, that Mike Munro Mike didn't tolerate sycophancy and Helen Clark when she got rid of him surrounded herself basically with sycophants and those are the people that are leading Labour now Jacinda Ardern, Grant Robertson uh, uh, and Hipkins they all worked in Clark's office they were little sycophants and did whatever she said that's when the wheels started coming off so I have real concerns that Jacinda Ardern uh, doesn't have good advice but that doesn't matter for now we're just talking about Bill
1: yeah yeah, and, you know, we, we'll get back on to, you know, what, what the leader means. We've talked about Australia this. You need a decent party pre- president. You need some good policy people, because it's really hard to develop policy when you're trying to win votes um, a, a, as an opposition MP. Um, you need that good comms person like Mike Munro, um, unless you've got someone as naturally gifted as, as John Key was at communicating himself. I mean. I don't think he needed much advice. He was just bloody good,
0: naturally. And you need a frightening chief of staff.
1: Yeah, you know, someone that is like Heather Simpson. I mean, everyone was terrified of Heather Simpson if they got on the wrong side of her. If you did the right thing by her, she was the first one to put her arm around your shoulder and and look after you when things were going tough. But if you fucked up or did something stupid,
0: should be the one in there bloody kneecapping you yeah well i can remember um you know a few phone calls back in the day from people inside national saying oh you know wayne says this and wayne says that and you need to remove this post and i just went yeah so what see you later you know and the threats come in and they're, they're they're really lame there are things like oh you won't get any access well so what? Again, that was my answer to everything. So if you've got a chief of staff that is a jolly holly sticks, hockey sticks type of person and um, and is known to enjoy a drink with the boys, well, they're hardly the sort of person that that can look you in the eye and make you fear for your kneecaps.
1: Yeah, and, you know, that, that's, that's what you, you want. And uh, Heather Simpson was bloody brilliant at it. Um, but, you know, the, the people that I know that worked under her uh, absolute admiration for her in terms of her loyalty to people who did the right thing um, and who were diligent and worked hard. Um, it was just if you did something stupid, she was going to clobber you.
0: So the the last thing that slots all of that together. Once we've got a strategist, a decent board, and party president, policy people, comms people, chief of staff is the is the ability to raise money, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and you know, I think that this is something where past performance isn't indicative of future performance. If they haven't been able to raise lots of money to start, already they're not going to suddenly turn the tap on. Um, you know, Michelle Bogue left national in a in a whole lot of debt, and Bill English was useless at fundraising. Don Brash came in, and there were plenty of people willing to back him because they knew him as the Reserve Bank Governor. But you know, if you're not the Reserve Bank Governor, you've got to build those networks and. And build those um, uh, relationships with the donors and and all too often I I go through the election returns after the election and see people just funding their own campaigns and not even raising sort of a thousand bucks off the the local businessman who who is pro-national and has got a, a spare grand lying around to
0: fund national and they don't even ask. Well a good indicator of that ability to raise funds is these cabinet clubs that is mocked but I, I see them as really useful because I remember back in 2002 they'd have fundraisers and you know the guest speaker was was Bill English and then you know, it would be all the RSVPs were sorry, I've got something else to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. My understanding of uh, cabinet clubs as they go now, and this is when nationals in government, is that the response is not the same as when John Key was going to Be the guest speaker or the or the guest of honour at, at the cabinet club, it's somewhat more muted, and it's only as a courtesy because it is the prime minister, but it's not because Bill's uh, entertaining bloke to have a beer or tepanyaki with.
1: No, nah, and you know, I went to a cabinet club meeting with Bill when he was first finance minister, and I wanted to go and strangle him afterwards. I mean, I just wanted to go and his scrawny neck. He stood there, and he and he kept and instead of telling us what he thought. He kept asking people in the room what they thought they wanted to hear from him. And he was, oh, he was, you know, using the Oxford Socratic method of asking questions and pretending he's a tutor and drawing out information. And it, it was just useless. And, you know, I wouldn't go and see him again because I don't know that he's necessarily going to stand up and do what he did, which is tell some interesting stories, make some telling points, um, make some really good points about big things like, superannuation and things and you you might not agree with him but at least you see his perspective. Um, yeah I'm sure it would take a few questions but he's not going to sort of put himself in a position where uh, there's other people in the room talking more than he is.
0: Well a good example of that is what happened today with Simon O'Connor. He's come out with a personal statement about uh, what he sees as inconsistency between Jacinda Ardern's view on suicide and her support for um, euthanasia. And it's been reported in in the Herald and it's been reported in other places now that um, Bill English text him and, and asked him to apologise. And I find that just incongruous because Simon O'Connor is a conservative Catholic. Bill English is a conservative Catholic. You would think that they would have similar views. And if you look at the voting record of Bill English, you would think he does have similar views to that. And yet here he is trying to get his MP to apologise for saying something that he actually believes in. Well, that doesn't resonate with people. Without even thinking about all of those things, they just don't believe that Bill English is is saying the correct thing when he's asking for an apology. Now, to Simon O'Connor's enduring credit, my understanding is he told Bill to go fly a kite. Yeah. Yeah, and you know it is a conscience issue,
1: but you contrast that with with it had it been John Key, um, Key probably would have rung up and said, "Look, mate, you know I agree with you. It is a conscience issue, um, but we really need you to apologise because it's going to shape point five of a." Point off our poll
0: numbers. Can we just get something out real quick, and and O'Connell. Would be, yeah, sure, no worries. Yeah, but that's because yes. John Key knows what the numbers are. That's yeah. the thing. He would have been on the phone to to um, our know, good mate David Farra from Courier, and he would have said to him, "Not David, where do you reckon this is going to go?" David would have put his finger in the air and felt the winds blowing through his polling company, and he would have given John Key an answer. My understanding is that Bill English doesn't make any calls. And uh, not to any advisers, certainly not to any polling, all of the communications coming through, through Joyce, and that means the leader is disconnected and out of touch. Yeah, and, you know,
1: that's just dumb. I mean, Farrah's a brilliant poller, and, and we know that Key was um, constantly talking to him, and um, he mentioned that on election night in 2014.
0: Um, you're nuts if you've got anyone other than Farah polling for you, and, and Key said that. So really, the nats have got two options the way I see it immediately after the election, and they both have valid uh, you know solutions for what the problem is that national faces. the first one is is to install a um, a temporary leader, a transitional leader, that allows um, a proper contest to occur once all of those uh, list MPs and, and people who are responsible for the loss have exited Parliament and left.
1: That's what the Conservatives did in um, in, in Canada after they got beaten by Trudeau. They They set up a, a leadership contest that actually took a year they had an interim leader and the only rule about the interim leader was is they weren't allowed to be the permanent leader. They spent a lot of time trying to get the right person and I think National would be smart not to install someone straight away. Um, you know, you, you put someone that, that has gravitas and respect and is a good technocrat um, in place while National cleans out things and then has a decent look and a decent think about who the best possible leader is rather than just going into the first Tuesday
0: caucus meeting and having a vote. Or a Donnybrook even.
1: Yeah, and you know, um, there'll be a whole lot of new uh, MPs and they won't even know who, um, or you know, they won't know who they want to vote for because they haven't met them.
0: (coughs) The second school of thought is that you get someone who is suited to opposition, someone who's been in opposition before and knows how to crack heads and install them and start cracking heads because uh, even though Labour will always run the counter-argument that, well, you had nine years and you didn't do anything, the point is, is that when you were in... Uh, opposition straight after being in government, you actually know where all the bodies are buried. You know where the things are that are going to catch a new minister out, an inexperienced new minister who's never been in a portfolio before. And so you can, if you're really smart about it, you can run some real good hit jobs on them that makes them look incompetent from day one. And that's the one thing Labor forgot to do when they took out when they were in opposition, because they could have smashed Hekia Parata, they could have smashed Craig Foss, they could have smashed any number of drop kicks that was in cabinet. Nathan Guy is another example. They never did. All they did is go after uh, John Key, and he was way too good for them. Yep, uh, very much in the same way that Helen Clark
1: was way too good for National to really lay a glove on for at least the first two terms.
0: Yeah, and then they wised up to it and they started um, attacking uh, lesser ministers, people like Philip Field. You know, and Lockwood Smith wrote the book on how you get how you get a minister, how you get someone out of Parliament. In fact, just doggedly pursuing it question time after question time after question time until eventually they get cut loose yep yep so which would you prefer in those two options someone who's going to crack heads from day one or a more studied approach um that's building towards uh, a long-term government in the future
1: i think that um, i would prefer to put national in play by taking that time and getting the right person in there and and doing due diligence on them. I mean, are they going to be any good as a leader? Are they popular with the public? Can they raise the money? You know, Can they say, I will bring in
0: $5 million over this cycle and this is how I'm going to do it? Um, This is my team. Or if they came bearing gifts, you know, here you go. I want to be leader. These are the people I'm putting up. These are the policies I want to focus on. And by the way, here's some money tipped into the coffers. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. If I'm leader. Okay, one last thing before you go, Simon. You and I don't like doing predictions, but we are in receipt of information that other people don't have. What's your pick for the 23rd? Is it going to be real close, or do you think Labor's going to uh, squeak ahead? No, I think it's going to be close, and um, I think it still may
1: come down to what uh, Winston Peters thinks on on the... um, the election night. Um, you know what? What is the what is the hand that he's been dealt after the election, uh, and see which way he wants to jump. But I think that he will be well aware that there's a mood for change, and that's been shown by Jacinda's incredible popularity in the last few weeks.
0: Well, and there's, there is some thought too that uh, Winston may not agree to go into coalition. He may, in fact, sit on the cross benches, say to a minority government or the party with the biggest number of votes, uh, "You go ahead and and uh, form a government. We'll give you supply, but any legislation you want to pass, you better come begging to me." Yeah, yeah, and you
1: know that that um, may occur, but I think that Winston. Probably wants to be um, in government and
0: and be part of a stable government. Um, yeah, that's the key, isn't it? Because I've all Winston's always said to me stable governments the most important thing he's been bitten before but he's facing the same prospect that he's had the two times before he's been in in coalition he's coming coming in if he goes with national he's coming in at, you know after a third term government if he goes with labor um it might not uh, be enough to go- to have a two party coalition there might have to be um some hangers on like the greens taking one in the chook again
1: yeah Well, we're all for Winston shafting the Greens and Labour shafting the Greens, um, but I think it is likely
0: to happen. Well, they might shaft themselves. They might not get over that 5% because they're sitting at that 5%. And I was looking at an analysis of polling um, for the last two elections uh, today online, and um, the Greens are always overrepresented in the polls. Uh, Winston is underrepresented, and the two major parties slide away in the last two weeks, and we're in that now. So it's going to be real interesting, and it'll be a nail-biter, but I've got no skin in the game anymore, so uh, I actually don't care what the result is.
1: No, I'm, um, I'm obviously pretty interested, but a little indifferent to what happens. I think National has been not a particularly good government at making changes, and um Well, I don't like the look of Labour, but another three years of National doing nothing is probably not good for New Zealand.
0: Come on, Simon. Our businesses are going to improve with the Labour
1: government. Yeah, yeah, let's let's be quite honest. (laughs) Labour government would be great. We'd get paid way more.
0: Absolutely. All right, thanks for that, Simon. We've uh, covered over why Bill English is so dead-set useless, made a sort of a prediction for the future, and uh, when we catch up next week, maybe we can firm that up with only uh, five days to go. Righto. Thanks for your time.